a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Before we begin today's discussion, here is some genre-related news. Today is Free Comic Book Day. Taking place on the first Saturday of May, Free Comic Book Day is the annual promotional event for the comic book industry created to get new readers into comic book retail outlets. Visit your local comic book specialty store today for creator signings, a wide variety of special activities, and, of course, free comic books! Publishers designate a number of titles for distribution without charge that will introduce readers to what's happening and delight current readers and fans. For a complete list of free titles and to locate the specialty outlet near you, visit freecomicbookday.com. Some cancellations that have been announced since our last news show two weeks ago. Raising Dion has been canceled after two seasons on Netflix. And the CW canceled Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow. HBO Max has ordered a Harley Quinn spinoff series featuring Kite Man. Also ordered to series at NBC, the reboot of Quantum Leap starring Raymond Lee. Warner Brothers announced plans for a sequel to Matt Reeves' The Batman. We Reeves will write and produce, excuse me, will write and direct. And Robert Pattinson will return as the lead. And Sony Pictures has announced a sequel to the 2021 reboot Ghostbusters Afterlife. Some anniversaries this week as May 1st marked 19 years since the debut of Kenneth Johnson's miniseries V. And Spider-Man, directed by Sam Raimi and starring Tobey Maguire, opened in theaters 20 years ago on May 3rd, 2002. Tuesday, May 4th, was Star Wars Day. Observed annually on May 4th, it is a celebration of fandom for George Lucas's fantasy sci-fi masterpiece. And apparently, it all began with a pun. Margaret Thatcher was elected as the United Kingdom's first female prime minister on May 4, 1979. The victorious Conservative Party took out a newspaper ad that read, May the 4th be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. However, the date wasn't connected with a Star Wars-themed holiday until 2008, when a social media fan group celebrating something called Luke Skywalker Day adopted the pun as a slogan. While other Star Wars-themed holidays have been proposed, including Los Angeles' Star Wars Day on May 25th, in celebration of the release date of the first movie, and Revenge of the Fifth, a pun on Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, none of those have caught on with the same vigor as May the Fourth Be With You. 
New trailers dropped this week for the Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series. Warner Brothers Animation's Green Lantern Beware My Power and the Game of Thrones spinoff House of the Dragon. You can view the trailers on one of the Fantastic Forum social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. Obi-Wan Kenobi debuts May 27th on Disney+. Green Lantern Beware My Power will be available on 4K, Blu-ray, and digital starting July 26, 2022. And House of the Dragon premieres August 21st, 2022 on HBO. Sad news as James E. Bama passed away on April 24th. Although widely known for his realistic paintings of Western subjects, the artist also did considerable work on covers for the Doc Savage novels and box cover art for Aurora's monster model kits. He was 95. And Neil Adams died on April 28th. The American comics artist was a crusader on behalf of creators' rights and co-founder of the graphic design studio Continuity Associates. He was an inductee into the Eisner Hall of Fame, the Harvey Awards Jack Kirby Hall of Fame, and the Inkwell Awards Joe Sennett Hall of Fame. He was 80 years old. And I'm very sad to report that comic book creator George Perez succumbed to pancreatic cancer earlier today at the age of 67. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness enjoyed a magical opening domestically, earning $90 million during its Friday opening and Thursday previews. In some regard, it isn't surprising as the movie had sold tickets totaling $65 million in domestic pre-sales. The film is projected to earn $180 million in its opening weekend. On today's show, we're talking about some of these news items and more. But first, here is the official spoiler-free review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Doctor Strange Into the Multiverse of Madness is less a sequel to 2016's Doctor Strange than a continuation of the last several Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and streaming television shows. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Marvel stories have consistently involved either the so-called blip or the multiverse. This offering is obviously, based on its title, no different. The story builds on the events in the Disney Plus streaming series WandaVision and Sony's Spider-Man No Way Home. It also borrows from What If. I'm telling you now that if you haven't seen all of these, you're going to be lost watching this movie. Dr. Stephen Strange is called to protect young America Chavez, a girl with the power to move between dimensions. Chavez is being pursued by an evil force determined to usurp her power for itself. Discovering that the evil force which is after Chavez is witchcraft based, 
Strange enlists Avenger, Wanda Maximoff, to assist. But can the heroes defeat the evil forces before they can steal young America's powers and bring chaos to the entire multiverse? Benedict Cumberbatch reprises his role as the self-styled master of the mystic arts. Also returning from the first film are Benedict Wong, Jawiltel Ejiofor, and Rachel McAdams. Elizabeth Olsen stars as Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, Sochi Gomez as America Chavez. The movie is also chock full of supporting players, some of whom are making cameo appearances that are sure to make comics fans smile. Sam Raimi directs in his return to Marvel following the Spider-Man movies of the early aughts. Being a master of the macabre and the superhero genre serves Raimi well in this picture. He goes about his work with the confidence born of his decades of experience in these genres, and it shows. While the film will excite fans, it is mired in the Marvel formula which has been so well established and is now being reinforced by the television series on Disney+. Loki explored the existence of variants across the dimensions. The presence of other versions of Doctor Strange is central here. Something that bothered me was the degree to which the film relied on other Marvel shows and movies. In creating its shared universe, Marvel has done something singularly unique in storytelling and series movies. But it comes at a price, and that price is the quality of the product, although I doubt many fans will care. I've noted their tendency to not focus on the shortcomings of the Marvel brand, the preference being to celebrate what it offers in its exciting presentation, Easter eggs, and callbacks to the comic source material. And while it makes for an overall enjoyable movie-going experience, you don't want to think too hard about what you're watching as the recognition of the glaring flaws detracts from the enjoyment. Viewing a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is quite the phenomenon, almost like addiction in that the viewer remembers the great feelings from the earlier products and keeps going back in the hope that this one will be like the first time. It becomes more desirable to see the product subjectively rather than objectively, and I think this is what fans have embraced. In an effort to produce a spoiler-free review, I've deliberately omitted a lot about the cameos, which, if I'm being honest, were my favorite part of this movie. Since the acquisition of Fox, there have been some high-profile characters fans have been waiting to see integrated into the MCU. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness takes another step towards that integration. Something else you'll enjoy is the engaging musical score by composer Danny Elfman. Like Raimi, he has an established track record with the genre and takes the opportunity to indulge his craft here. With a runtime of two hours and six minutes, this movie is shorter than usual for a big-budget, epic tentpole picture. That is a plus as Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness feels longer. There's a lot happening, especially with the constant travel between universes. You won't necessarily be looking at your watch, but the time goes by quicker than you might think. It's rated PG-13 for intense sequences of violence and action, frightening images, and some language. As Captain America the Winter Soldier was a political thriller and Ant-Man was a heist movie, this is closer to the horror genre. I'd be mindful about bringing children younger than about 12 or 11, as there are some really scary parts. But, like most Marvel offerings, there isn't any sex. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness flirts with, 
but doesn't actually make any profound statements. Sam Raimi dresses everything up nicely. Now you make sure to hang around for the two post-credit scenes. I enjoyed this movie. I only wish that it was more because of the movie than the Easter Egg fan service. Two and a half stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. The official FF review of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, and Sochi Gomez, which opened nationwide yesterday. Now, it's time to introduce today's panel. Joining me are Drew Bittner, Julian Lytle, and Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre. Everybody, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hey, hey, what's up? Hello. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I don't want to really talk about Doctor Strange because all of us haven't seen it, but um, I did. You guys heard the review, and uh, I, I know that Julian, uh, in particular, uh, was more with me in terms of the analysis of this particular movie because it's it's not great. I mean, it's okay. And like I said in the review, what I enjoyed the most were those darned Easter eggs. <laughs> there were so many. And really nods to some of the fans in terms of, hey, this is what you can expect to see in future Marvel movies. And I was really tickled about that. But I, I, from what I've seen on social media... A lot of people are giving this movie a pass like they do for so many of the Marvel movies. It's a new episode. Yeah. It's the new episode in between the end of Moon Knight and the beginning of Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you, you know, you can't beat that. See, for <laughs> me, I didn't like the Easter eggs. I like the Sam Raimi parts. Really? And I don't even, I don't even consider that a spoiler. If you've seen Sam Raimi films... Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like he go off, <laughs> and then he's got to be yeah. dragged back. He's got to be dragged back to the MCU. Like, oh man, I gotta do this. It's it was like Spider Man Three because everybody t- talks about Spider Man Three like this ultimate terrible <laughs> that, movie. It's that not. Wasn't a bad movie. It's just it the really fact wasn't. the studio mm-hmm. got involved and you could see it. Yeah, Doctor Strange Two was the same thing. I could see when Feige and them was like. Now nah, we got to do this. Oh, oh yeah, we changed the order, so we gotta like rewrite this. Oh, oh yeah, we oh yeah, Spider Man coming out first, so we gotta re. You can see like, oh man, we had to say we're sitting on the side with the with the MacBook just <laughs> just going in <laughs> like, all right, all right, this is what you're gonna say, Benedict. All right, okay, all right, somebody get somebody a pencil. Yeah, see, this is this is storyboard right now. All right, this is gonna do this. <laughs> you can see it. You can like, whoa, okay. I mean, that's the cost of doing business, though, right? With Disney. That's not a Disney thing. That's a Marvel when it make everything connected. Disney movies ain't connected. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Mm. You can just go watch a Disney movie. You're done. Oh, I was just—I was talking about but under the Disney umbrella. It's like you always got the producer sit there sitting over you, going, "What can we do to make this a little bit better for what the what the overall strategy is?" And that's a Feige thing to me. He the one that want to okay. do this connected universe of things and. Daggone Moon Knight and all this gobbledygook. <laughs> well, it is one of the consequences of having a connected universe, I will say. But it's called show business for a reason, and the business part is just flourishing. Whatever. I bet you Elderman made more than this movie. 
I'm sorry, what? I bet you Elden Ring made more to this movie. Elden you can't compare Ring. video game, man. Yes, oh, I can. Oh, that's a video yes, game. Yes, I can. Okay. We talking business. <laughs> I'm talking return on investment. You get more, first of all, you get more return from a video game and Elden Ring, man. That's a that's a lifetime commitment to play that game versus <laughs> what? How long is this movie? About, what, hour, two hours? Two hours. Yeah, just over two hours. Six minutes. Yeah, it, it's pretty short uh, compared yeah. to the usual. Two and a half epic, hours. I thought it was two and a half hours. Well, and that's yeah. the funny thing. It felt longer. And I, and that's something else I said in the review because you want, I mean, at least I wasn't checking my watch. But when I found out I had only been sitting in the theater for two hours and six minutes, I was surprised because it felt like I'd been sitting there longer. But I chalked it up to there being so much stuff if, that happened. If you say movie. so. See, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to take over, but like to compare and contrast with take the, over, with the two over. films we got from the big two, right? Mm-hmm. I was sitting in in the Batman for three hours. I was like, yo, I don't even know how long I've been in here. And you felt like you got like a whole thirteen episode season of television. You ain't even, you ain't even care. You was like, yo, you give me two more hours in here, and it's like, yo, Doctor Strange was like, yo. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was saying with the Batman, everyone complained about that three hour limit, which obviously was like two fifty five. But even that was just like, yo, okay, what else you got next? Doctor Strange was like, yo, how long, man? It's been. Yo, we got another hour, B? Like, I don't know about this, fam. <laughs> I felt like I had been in the theater <laughs> you know for three saying? hours. That's what I'm saying. It felt <laughs> like, it felt different. It felt like you was in here forever, No, bro. no, I mean with Batman. I knew, oh, I knew exactly oh, so how long me. I, I was been like, in the theater. I was like, I felt like watching the season of The Y. I was like, oh, give me more. Give me more. Look, I'm not complaining. I, don't get me wrong. Yeah. What, Drew, was that you? Yeah, yeah I, I was I was gonna say that you know Batman Batman flew by. I mean, I got I got to the point at a, about probably two thirds of the way through where I'm like, okay, I I wonder how much longer this really has left to go and how much, how long I've been here. But but that's okay. You, you know, you can you can do that in a three hour movie. Um, in this, I I will be honest. I did not check my watch and I thought, man, this it's clicking along pretty good. I was surprised it was only two two hours six. But it worked for me, and I mean, I liked the Raimi stuff. I like Raimi's way of making this movie. He's he's one of the few directors that's done horror and superheroes, so he was a good choice to do this fusion of the two. I like the Easter eggs, and um, I don't know. I just I, I liked this movie. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I, I I get where people can be disappointed in it. I can see that, but at the same time, I'm sort of like you know, as as a piece of the bigger picture. It works for me. I was entertained. Didn't feel like I wasted my money. And we saw some, some forward movement with some of the characters. That's good. So. That's that's good. Like I I like this is not me being cynical like that. I like to hear people that that was happy. I just I just think it was just it was alright. It was better than the first movie. Like I never need yeah. to see the first Doctor Strange ever again. There are parts of this movie that I will like you know, I can't talk about it without spoiling. But there's the parts I'll like, yo, I'll, I'll put that on when it's on FX like 87,000 times. I'll have that on. Oh, yeah. I, I will, too. I mean, I'll go back to this movie like I do with the Spider-Man movies and stuff. You know, it's 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 watchable. And and I think there is stuff in it that's like, I, I will say, I think that one of the things Raimi really nailed was some of the death scenes in this were gruesome and so visceral and... Like, oh my God, you really feel it in a way that you you really do rarely in these kinds of movies. I was surprised. Um, I was surprised by what he got away really with. Got, 
yeah, that really got me. I was like, whoa, you know. So, well, it, you know, it was it was it was it was a horror movie. I mean, in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, but, but I mean, still, but Disney Marvel. You don't expect to see some of this. <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's where it showed up. That's where it's like, man, oh man, it's like, you know, it's like yeah, this is this is high stakes stuff. You know, when when one character can basically walk through the Illuminati. Hey, you spoiling? You spoiling? I'm not. Yes, I'm not, I'm yeah, stop, we, uh, stop, yeah, stop, we, stop, we, stop, ain't actually stop, talking stop, already. Stop, stop, stop. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say anything. Uh, okay, yeah, just wanted to stop you real quick. He's going All too right. far. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, but um, but and and, and Zoshi Gomez. I thought I thought she was terrific in this movie. You know. I yeah, she she's great. a very she's a very talented uh, young actress. What else has she been in? Um, well, she's only she sixteen. I mean, she hasn't done a lot of stuff, but a, a extremely poised for a sixteen-year-old. And I'm going to be curious to see in Ms. Marvel uh, how that actress uh, does. I mean, you know, obviously they have found youngsters who can pull this stuff off, but yeah, uh, you know, it's yeah. it's. Yeah, it, it it it's just fascinating to me the way that and again this is the business side of the thing. So oh, she was in the Babysitters Club on, on Netflix. Oh, so oh, in she the first oh, in fact, she did a lot of that, didn't she? She was she was, she was in like the, the first whole, season. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. she was in Hentify, and then she didn't have a lot, but clearly she did. She done stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. you know. Like I said, she just got to that age yeah. where she could really kind of do this. You know? yeah. oh, you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA, 96.7 FM, and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre, Julian Lytle, and Drew Bittner. And we kind of gone down the rabbit hole after my review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the new super-duper epic blockbuster picture from Marvel that's taking the world by storm and going to be the number one movie at the box office this weekend, earning probably close to $200 million. And I didn't want to actually talk about the movie because we all haven't we all, we all haven't seen it, quite frankly. And you, our listeners, haven't seen it for the most part. People are going out, and I don't want to turn anybody off to it. I mean, we were talking about some of the more technical elements and the box office and, you know, the Marvel method and all this kind of thing. Because, quite frankly, I mean, it's, it's okay. I gave it two and a half out of five, sorry, out of four stars. But it's not a great movie, and it, it was entertaining, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to turn anybody off to it. If you thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread, that's fine. It's just that audiences tend to give Marvel movies a pass, and as, as evidence of that, I will simply say Guardians of the Galaxy, which was not a good movie, but that is universally accepted by a lot of Marvel fans as, we love this movie, it was the best to date, when it really wasn't. Hey, each one is going to be the best to date, because when Thor come out, that's going to be the best that, one yeah, ever. Yeah, are going to say the same thing, yeah, that's true. And then, like, what's then, the one after Thor? Black um, Panther. Is that this year? I think so, yeah, I thought, I thought it was. Let me, let me go, let me, yeah, I was going to say, some, some, somebody's um, got it, somebody's got to look that up, you know. Guardians, Guardians Holiday Special is this year, and then Guardians 3 is next year. There's a holiday special, what's that, it's yeah. going to be on uh, yeah. Disney Plus? Yep. 
Yeah. Ah. That's what you pay for. Well, yeah. and it's funny because every time I hear holiday special, I think that's Star the point. Wars holiday that's the point. special. Yes. <laughs> that's well, on yeah. purpose. Uh, well, although. and uh, Oh, you, you're right, Drew. It is. It is Black Panther. Wakanda Forever. Ooh. This November. Thanksgiving yeah. season. Wow. I'm like, whoa. Didn't expect how they're going to flip that. I'm going to be real well, interested to see what they do they and better vary how they him. work. They better vary they, him. You know, they're going to have to do something. Hey, uh, so Julian, after, because uh, because Julian, full disclosure, Julian and Shireen and I uh, were all at the screening uh, earlier this week. And on the way, uh, after we dropped you off, Shireen and I, did. we didn't really get into an argument. It's as close to an a argument debate. as... Yeah, thank you. Debate. Much better word. It's as uh, close to a uh, disagreement kind of thing as Shireen and I will ever get into. But uh, because Shireen evidently feels that it is, and without misrepresenting her, uh, feels that any homage that Marvel pays to the late Chadwick Boseman by not recasting the role immediately is appropriate. Now, what I have said is, you know, it, it's been two years. You can do something now. And she's like, nah, it really hasn't been long enough. And so that's that, that, where a that, lot, there's a lot of black people for that way. Yeah. Well, and, and, I care but, about Jack Kirby more than I care about anything else. So I want the character to live on. Well, exactly. And, and but see, at least she's saying you can recast it. There's black folks out there saying, no, you can never recast but this role. That's it. To them, it's a movie character. Yeah, they don't understand that this character was around a long time yeah. before. Like, it's a yeah. movie character. Like, yeah. I think it's, it's a disservice to the... You can figure out whatever you want to do. Mm. You got all these variants. Yeah. We got a movie of variants. Hey, you yeah. could we just, got a TV show of variants. You could just yeah. re. You don't even have to go there. You can just recast the role. I grew up in the age of the soap operas where somebody who you had it never be seen before, week. everybody is acting like it's the person because they said the role of Lila Quartermain today is being played by Miss So and So So and So. The soap operas and, are dead, Ulysses. <sighs> Not entirely. Not entirely. They're, yeah, still it, it, the they're still on the air, but again, rock music is dead, yet they still play. But I'm yeah. just saying. Well, that's a debate. <laughs> um, I'm just saying. At this point, mm -hmm. the audience ain't going to gonna go. If you get somebody they really like popping up and some portal thing happens and he comes out and it's like, oh, you new Black Panther. You'd be like, oh, snap. And they'll be fine with it. If Idris Elba popped out of a portal. And he took the mask off and he was suddenly T'Challa from Earth 2482. And his his reality disappeared and he was going to, I'm going to stay here. Everybody would be like, oh my God, Idris is Black Panther. We have him. <laughs> yes. Know, I'm using yes. him as an example. Well, it could be somebody else. It would probably be somebody else younger. But, you know. No, I'm, I'm with you there. I think that, I think that there, there's ways to do it. It's just, it's a creative choice for... You know Ryan Coogler and Marvel to decide whether they want to recast that or not. And you know, frankly, fan reaction is one part of the equation. Another part may be they just didn't find the right person or the person they felt strongly enough about. Um, it could be a bunch of things. And frankly, I, I personally, personally for me, I would have liked to see them recast the role because I don't want to lose T'Challa as a character. I think there's way too many stories left to tell with him so many in the Marvel universe yeah definitely so no doubt and and losing him as a character you can't just say 
oh, we'll tell those stories with Shuri or Nakia or Okoye. You know, it's you don't tell T'Challa stories with those characters. So now they, mm-hmm. they yeah. bust out Casper Cole on it on me. I, I might have to be like, okay, we could. I can do with this. You, I can live with this. You know who I was actually thinking might be good in that role? That, uh, what's a Samson Idris? Oh, Damson. Damson, You're from yes. 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 Yeah, he yes. would. He would that be young man yeah, he can, can act his behind off. Yes, he can. You know, he come, you know? I'm telling you, he come out of Portal. I lost, oh, I lost, my, I lost my reality to, to uh, a rogue Doctor Strange. <laughs> you know, and, and I tell you what, they would probably that's, that's what, they I would don't probably know. dress it up like that. As far as I'm concerned, you don't even have to explain it. He's been the guy all along, and you just oh, no, act they, they, like nah, everybody. We, we in the world, we, we they gotta explain it. That's part of the they gotta explain it. Well, like they, I said, they, the they role of Lila Quartermain today is being played by <laughs> they're full bore into multiverse. Yes, Don yes. He'll show up on screen and say, "See, see." <laughs> <laughs> he basically they didn't explain with him. Like he just moved on. Uh, well, he's even it, in the cartoon. Like they changed with. The, I watched the What If because I wanted to catch up, but I failed. Mm-hmm. And I saw they did the thing, the Iron Man thing with Killmonger, and they had. They say y'all made the y'all made the roadie in here, Don Cheadle. Oh my good, the erasure. Yes. Like a crisis <laughs> happened and we didn't know. Because <laughs> that was like, when, they, when, when are they going to Anakin <sighs> Skywalker and Don Cheeto in the Iron Man 1? Mm. You know, when they got rid of the old guy and, mm. and then with a special edition and then yes. suddenly Hayden Christensen was. I was like, if y'all don't get his young, long hair stuff out here, put that old flabby man in here <laughs> that he's supposed to be. <laughs> They'll, they'll, they'll digitally erase Terrence Howard and put in Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle do all the acting again. He put some hair dye in so it'll look like his 2008 self. Well, like I said, it was too early in the game for them to do all that stuff. It was, But they did that same, what is it, Shireen calls it that, you know, and uh, all of a sudden Don Cheadle was the new guy and Terrence Howard was nowhere to be seen. He was always Don Cheadle. He was always <laughs> James Rhodes. <laughs> You know, say they try, they literally put Obi Wan Kenobi on a movie screen. You're like, and, and <laughs> Professor Rex, they both do this. They both use it, and he's waving the head. It was always Don Cheeto. It was like, yes, it is right. It was always Don Cheeto. The power of Professor X and the Jedi will convert my brain. <laughs> oh my god! Seemingly, that is the case. Ah, well, hey, but that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break. Because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We're a community radio station, and among other things, that means that we are non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, sponsors, and listeners like you for the totality of the operation of the radio station. Please... Visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of this wonderful institution that is community radio, community media today. Did I mention it's tax-deductible? But we're going to be back with more interesting discussion, and we've still got a lot of great things we're going to touch on today. So... 
We're going to pause while we acknowledge our underwriters and sponsors and while we promote some of the other exceptional WERA shows coming up later this evening. But stick around because Black Gorbachev and Julian and Drew and I will be back right after this. Don't go away. And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Drew Bittner and the man known as Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre. And when we took the break, we were talking, um, well, geez, we had been talking about the multiverse and about, um, what do you call it, uh, variants and the blip and all this stuff. And I will say, uh, before we move on to anything else, that one of the things that has really irritated me about where the Marvel Universe is today is... The fact that everything now is about, well, it, it's less about the blip, because it had been about the blip for a couple of movies, but then we've moved on to the multiverse, and now everything is about the multiverse. And Julian, I have to offer kudos to you, because I was complaining about how they've gone cosmic, and everything is this epic super event, but that's only in the movies, as you pointed out, and in... The MCU that they're showing you in Disney Plus, it's like street level stuff, yeah. which is okay, you know. So I've just I've just been fascinated by that, and I, I, I having been through that in my role playing experience because everything got ratcheted up and ratcheted up uh, until. It got so the players are, and I, I, if you're listening and you've played with me, you know what I'm talking about. It got to where I was trying to dial things down, and we had men with guns as a threat. And the players are like, well, send the B team or the C team or the D team because we're beyond fighting men with guns. And I had to accept because any one of that team could have gone and fought like 30 men with guns and you didn't you didn't need to deploy the whole team See, to go fight with men this with is, guns. This is the problem mm. with that logic because like I watch Dragon Ball, right? And mm. I read Dragon Ball. Those characters can literally destroy a planet, right? Mm. Yet, if somebody hit them with a sword or shoot them, they all the way messed up. Hmm. They're good with the hands. They can shoot lasers. They can do all types of stuff. Mm. If somebody cut them, they're like, yo, I'm bleeding. Oh my God, that hurts. <laughs> so just because you got special powers, don't mean you you can't catch a catch a L, catch a fade. Hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I shoot you in the back. I don't care if you, if you ain't got no armor skin, <laughs> you still gonna be like, ah, I need a back of y'all to me. It's true. I mean, and 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 power escalation is a is a serious thing. It it happens in long running long-running series it happens in comic books it happens in movies and and Yuli is right I mean the the threat 
stretches up and up and up and up and up until finally it's like the fate of the universe at stake every single month. Mm-hmm. And that's been going on in Avengers. It's been going on in JLA. It's it's rampant in the big two right now. And they don't they don't tell an awful lot of street level, you know, personal stories. Everything's about moving from one world shattering crisis to the next, and it, it gets a little breathless. It gets a little bit tired. And um, I don't want to see the MCU make that mistake. So, did you see? But here's the thing, though, about that 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 everything's cosmic. If you watch, if you read Marvel the last few years leading up to it, everything was a crossover of epic proportions. You got like yeah. everything, yeah. like Secret Invasion, World War Hulk. Like they did not actually have any like. I mean, I don't want to say common stories, but they didn't have any non-world threatening but life threatening stories. It was all about what is the super epic, and it just transferred transferred over into the movies, which is a lot more expensive. And like, and, and you know, as we've seen, everyone how everyone always always asks this question: like, after you've done Endgame, what's next? At that mm-hmm. point, like, what do you do next? Like, yeah, you got multiverse of madness. I will admit, I have only seen the trailer, but it looks like there's a lot in it, like a lot. Like, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I already know what's next. It's the mm-hmm. Secret Wars. Yeah, well, yeah, but they've been for a while. But, like, it's just, I don't know, like I said, I, and Julian had a good point off air, was I love Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi tells a really good, like, concise story that honestly doesn't need to be, like, world-chattering or cracking. It's just the character stuff he does is great. And, you know, on Super, and Spider-Man was a good example of that. With this one, it's just like, it looked like a big bowl of gumbo of everything Marvel wants to throw at you. I agree. Yeah. You, you haven't seen it, and from what you've seen, yeah. they they show you too much on the commercials. And I'm not even a big a big person that complains about that. But I'm like, yo, what is left? Uh, <laughs> they, you know, you can infer a lot based on what they showed you in the commercials, especially the one they put out the day of. I looked at the day yeah. of, and I was like, bro, that's. Yeah. All the major high points. <laughs> well, I, of like know, each section of the movie is like you can you can make the story up. You can you can tell me like, yo, watch this and tell me what happened. And I'd be like, yo, you ninety percent right. <laughs> you know, to me, the biggest twist though they haven't really given away. So I'll I'll just I'll leave that dangling out there as I now somewhat less than artfully uh, move on to another topic, which is you know and and I'm I was I was so sad uh, but I was I was actually engaged in another show I was on uh, Movers and Shakers Unlimited earlier today which is a project my friend Brandon Troy does when I received a text message from Mr. Julian Lytle informing me that George Perez had died and I was so I mean even though we knew it was coming I was just so sorry to get that word and the idea what I realized was that his death coming on the heels of the death of Neil Adams because me being a certain age all right Neil Adams was my first favorite artist and George Perez was my second favorite artist and I'm like oh man damn I mean I just I hadn't expected to mourn these two men who I whose lives and careers and work that I have celebrated virtually my entire life I hadn't expected to have to mourn them at the same time. The same week. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. really sucks. 
I was I was thinking about it, and like I said, for me, it was one of those. If you take like I think for those two, it was like it was always Neil Adams, George Ferrer, and Walt Simonson for me. Like those, are, like those are like the three main heavy hitters I loved. And I'm sitting here just going, at a certain point, that will be the end of an era. Like, like we are slowly coming to the end of that particular era of comics. And, and for me, that's a sad part. This is where I start turning into old man sitting on the porch yelling at clouds. <laughs> I'm on, there was a certain level of like, fun storytelling that they would tell. And, this, and do not get me wrong, there are guys right now who are incredible at it. But there's like, a, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe it's retro, maybe it's old school, but like that old school style of storytelling that was just like groundbreaking at the time because they would they definitely did make they did push storytelling and how they told it makes me kind of sad that there's like they won't be around to kind of see everything else evolve from what they started if that makes sense mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it does i'm sorry drew you had something you wanted to add no just thinking that uh yeah i mean that whole generation of guys um adams and perez and all these guys that really you know, they they brought comics to the next level. You know, they're, the introduction of them as artists and as writer artists, you know, it, it opened the door to so many things and made so much possible that, you know, fans of comic books kind of take for granted now. You know, um, so much that they created, so much they brought to these worlds, and, you know, it's were, were smaller for their passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. And something, and I, I was furiously uh, looking some stuff up because uh, when I when I spoke, I mean, you know, you run into these guys at conventions, and uh, Neil Adams was gracious enough to do an interview for the uh, television version of the show a few years back. And one of the interesting things that he had to say, I mean, it was, and it's funny because I've heard he doesn't necessarily like doing interviews, but I'll admit, I mean, and ordinarily I take an extremely dim view of hero worship when it comes to artists and writers uh, of comics. But when I met Neil Adams, I had no shame. I was like, Mr. Adams, you're just the greatest artist of all time. I love you so much. And he was eating it up. <laughs> I mean, dude was like, tell me more about my eyes. Yes, he did. He did. Yeah. And I wasn't even trying to get the interview. It was like... I just love your art. I started talking about Avengers '94, which was like the first time I'd seen his art, and and it was just it was just a love love relationship there. He loved him, I loved him. You know, it was just. <laughs> but one of the interesting things that he had to say during the conversation that we had was that he was uh, sort of by himself in terms of the age that he was. And um, I looked, because he, uh, he was 80, and a lot of the greats, I mean, guys like George Tuska and mm-hmm. Don Heck and uh, Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby, they were older than he was. And the next generation of guys coming up behind him, you know, like George Perez and uh, um, 
you know, uh, Ron Wilson and, you know, a bunch of other Keith Giffen, they were younger than him. And he was saying, there's nobody else who's about my age. And I'm like, wait a second. I mean, so I'm still trying to fact check that. <laughs> but what do you mean for, what, for Neil Adams? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that apparently, because even. Well, it's, you know, there's still some of his. Uh, his predecessors, like Steranko, still running around outside. Yeah, but yeah. Steranko's Steranko. Well, actually, I guess Steranko's around eighty. Yeah, but he's and also yeah. bef- technically he'll be a generation before him because you know, you know, he's he's almost considered like the the end of the golden age guys. So I was I would yeah. think it's it's interesting because Neil Adams does fit this really weird, interesting section of the the blurring between the two. Uh, where like there's a shift between what what would you say maybe early Silver Age into like actual Silver Age because like yeah none yep. of the Buscemas are still alive right no well actually Sal Buscema is still alive wait, wait, wait. Hey. yeah no and you're right Steranko is 83 so he no. would I mean I'm just talking mm-hmm. about people who are in that generation yeah you know and, and I would John Byrne is in the 70s yeah well exactly yeah exactly. John Byrne came a little bit le- you know that's yeah, actually, well, like John Byrne, like with the Keith Giffins and the, like, and even George yeah, Perez's. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's interesting to see like mm-hmm. core. It's a big hit because I was I was talking to a friend earlier. It's like that's a big hit, but I was also thinking it's like those two artists are some of the most important Avengers artists ever. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like our ideas of the Avengers will get you excited. Is like those two. Even uh-huh. when you think about Neil Adams, is like he essentially did the first like big event. He did like the Kree Scroll War. Mm. That's yeah. essentially the real like the first like yo. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is big budget. I'm still like y'all jumping all around to Infinity this and that. They was like y'all ain't even give me the Kree's fight the scrolls, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Y'all I mean, jumping all around where the Kree centuries at? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, George Perez got you know got crushed. So, oh, I mean, oh. Got- everybody owe him. Wait, 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 a, a hold check. on, hold on, hold on. Hey, um, yeah, uh, Black Gorbachev. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. It's like we're talking about. You know, Julia made a point, made a good point about how George Perez and Neil Adams both probably the two most major crossovers of comic fan period. It was like you got, like the Kree Scroll War, but Crisis. And I mean, if you think about it, and he's right when I when you do the math, like those are like the major turning points where like comics change from like you said, Silver Age into like hardcore. Like, well, I want to say Silver, but like early Silver from Golden to Silver, and everything kind of cleaned it up. Like Kree Scroll War basically made Marvel kind of like a grand scale, and you know, granted, Crisis supposed to slim everything down. But basically, that's when pretty much it kind of exploded, and like just essentially everything that you like, everything DC has done since then is pretty much based on George Perez's stuff, like from his deal. That, like, so well, this is no slight on Neil Adams, but I was always more of a George Perez guy than Neil Adams, which is funny because I actually think Neil Adams' Batman is probably one of the best out there. Although mm. I do got special love for Norm Breakover. Shout out. Uh, yeah. Mm. So it's hey, weird where they fit in the comic timeline of like evolution. Yeah, hold, hold that thought just a second. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA ninety six point seven FM and streaming online at WERA FM Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle 
and Drew Bittner and Black Gorbachev, Philip Jean-Pierre. We were talking a little bit about the tremendous loss suffered to the comic book industry during the past two weeks with the, uh, I'll call them the untimely passings of both Neil Adams and today, earlier today, Mr. George Perez. And, um, yeah, I'm sorry. So, Black Gorbachev? Yeah, and uh, so those are two main ones. Although I'm going to throw this one out there because Julian made a point as well. Like, they haven't given him Creed Scroll War in Marvel. My thing is, is I'm looking at DC and I'm going, we really haven't done a Cosmic Odyssey movie yet. Like, seriously? Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that. So, uh, my, 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 my fourth world standard is like, I don't know about Cosmic Odyssey. But, <laughs> but in terms of Crisis, yeah. I would say Crisis on Infinite Earths. George Perez and Marvel Wilson is so impactful to pop culture right now because even everything that Marvel does in terms of the multiverse owes itself to Crisis. When I yeah. watch, there was a there was a Ninja Turtles <laughs> version of Crisis on Infinite Earths. There is a character that I I watch a lot of Kamen Rider from Japan. There is a season that is essentially Crisis on Infinite Earths. Like in terms of multiple Earths. And people going around and then them collapsing together. N- sorry, I've been researching. I don't think nothing did it before Christ on Infinite Earths. Hmm. All these things I, doing all this stuff. Yo. He's right. I remember. I remember when this first aired. That that, that those turtle aired. Yeah, he was like, yeah, he was a, a, a huge event. They just did Crisis on Infinite Earth with turtles. <laughs> Best thing ever. It was amazing. It even had the antimatter wave. It had the really? antimatter wave. It had oh, the antimatter well, wave. They were just ripping stuff off in that. But case. it was it was homaging. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was a yeah, way okay. to connect all the different generations of turtles into one thing. And what's better than do it than they didn't showed you how to do it. They didn't showed mm-hmm. you how to do it. Those two showed you. And then you looking yeah. at all this other stuff. Secret Secret Wars 2015 is just Crisis on Infinite Earth. <laughs> the entire Hickman run of Avengers is Crisis. I've been saying this since I read the first issue. I'm like, yo, he really likes Crisis. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's true. Like, I mean, honestly, there is no, like I said, I said it before. Uh, why are you doing Secret Wars again? The, 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 first, the story was pretty much like the first time around. Like, you don't need to go back to it. Because he wanted to do Crisis. He did. And he just remade it with Marvel characters, but it fits because it fits their characterization mm-hmm. and how they wouldn't get along and they would mess everything up and Doom gotta solve everything. Well, meanwhile in DC, everybody was like, yo, we gotta get our stuff together, but it didn't matter because the anti monitor, sometimes you just can't win, you know what I'm saying? Picard told yeah. you, you can do everything right, you're gonna still mm-hmm. lose, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then we got the goodness, but. And you know, during those times, it was the thing where Hickman might was trying to write the Legion, and I kind of low key wish that happened. But I'm just well, saying, yo. Also, I, I think it was also kind of a love letter to the Fantastic Four. But uh, you know, there's a lot in there, Drew. There's it yeah. a lot. It was still like, what if what if the Fantastic Four had to deal with crisis, and there was no yeah. Superman in them around? Like, oh yeah. man, I got to deal with Tony Stark, and he he got turned evil because <laughs> of axes and and and. Captain and America's too moral. And Namor and Black Panther are beefing. Oh man, I want I want to stop him from killing Namor, but he's always hitting on my wife. And I like me to T'Challa is really, really, really cool. That's my bro. Like so just a side note, my favorite scene to today still is Wakanda's just been beating her. Black Panther has saved Wakanda, even though it took a huge hit. 
there's a scene where they're beating the crap out of each other. You know, Namor's being Namor talking smack and whatever. And they get beaten down, and then he puts a knife, and, you know, Black Panther puts, like, a ritual knife in his chest, and Namor's laughing at all. And, you know, it's Namor. He goes, yeah, he goes, you think it's going to kill me? He goes, no, I just did that for, just, just for punctuation. And then literally teleports him to the side of the moon, and then sets off, like, a, a, was a, a nuclear warhead powered by, like, vibranium. I went, that's real petty. That's real petty. <laughs> it was petty. It was, it was petty. <laughs> that was a good story. Man, that was a good... T'Challa had his forebearers and the little thing tell him, was like, oh, you just going to let him just stand in this team. you going to just let him be around. You ain't going to do nothing. How you going to be Black Panther? And it's like, yeah, I got to kill him. But, you know, the other worlds are collapsing on each other, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to you know, it's, it's everything's falling apart anyway, you got to go. <laughs> Yo, I love that. Yo. And, in the future, that's a, another person they owe a lot of money to. Jonathan Hickman, Lord, they owe him so much money. Well, you know, it's work for hire. Unfortunately, there's a, there's a point where it's just like, nah, that's wild disrespectful. <laughs> does, well, doesn't there, he have a Substack though? No. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He's he's doing okay. He's not broke. I'm just no. saying. <laughs> he's not billionaire. You know what I'm saying? Money. They they making a lot of billions off his stuff like that. <laughs> Well, there is that. Oh, there is that. But, you know, they, it, it, Julian, your comment about how they need to go back and do something like the Kree-Skrull War and the fact that they have done a lot of the more recent stuff like Infinity Gauntlet and, you know, they uh, nod to secret invasion and secret wars because that secret invasion thing is clearly coming too. Yes, yeah, a uh, show. If they haven't forgotten. That's oh, Nick that's Fury's gonna, show. Oh, that's going to be a show. That's Nick Fury's show. Wait, yeah. wait, that's going to be a Disney Plus show? Yeah, that's Nick Fury's oh. show. It's secret invasion because, you yeah. know, he's cool with the with the scrolls. The whole yeah, flipping the scrolls and the good guys, it just don't sit right with me. Coleman's going to be the, the scroll queen, I think. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing something like that. And I'm like, but y'all don't got Spider Woman. I'm like, how y'all gonna do this? My brain, I was just like, yo, I don't. Hey, hey, at least we know we gonna get Hawkling out of this. Okay. They gotta yeah. have one young adventure per, per thing. It seems like so. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> we still got Hawkling and Marvel Boy and a few others left. Oh, a lot left to go. Well, and hopefully they are planning on doing Young Avengers. I mean, you know, clearly th this is the one thing that they can kind of, and I don't want to say fix, but they can kind of fix, uh, is aging out certain characters and bringing in like a new generation, you know, which they can never do in the comic books. And, you know, it, it, even though that's not for me, that's not what I want to see, that's a more natural way to do it. Say real mm -hmm. life, like NBA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you know, I, you'd like to cheer for Michael Jordan forever, but yeah, you that's not the way time works. Bro, old. <laughs> yeah. Hard mm -hmm. is old. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to turn this to a sports radio show. <laughs> 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 well, it's it's all relevant. Good gracious. But, uh, hey, uh, we're out of time for today's show. Um, that's what that musical cue means. So I would like to thank my panelists, and you too for having tuned in. Of course, Fantastic Forum. You can also catch it every Thursday right here on WERA from 3 to 4. And you can watch the television version online. You go to fantasticforum.tv because I have to confess, the only place that the television show is actually airing is in Montgomery County. But if you live in Montgomery County, Maryland, check your local listings. 
and you can actually see episodes of the show unless you want to go to the website, like I said, where we've got the interviews, we've got toy and game profiles, we've got special features, all this wonderful stuff, and it's all broken out and separated just for you. So, fantasticforum.tv. And the show is, uh, the radio show that is, is also available as a podcast. You can catch that and download it on all of those platforms where you can find your favorite podcasts. And of course, we're here in first run each and every Saturday afternoon from 4 to 5. And we're so delighted that you have made us a part of your Saturday this weekend. So, thank you so much. Uh, I will encourage you to uh, hang around after this show for Tune Time, which is coming up. But enjoy the rest of your weekend. Free comic book day. Get out there while there's still time, people.